Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Hello. Hello. Wow, that's very dark. It is. Very dark. And I'm here swishing tea. Hi, everybody. Is that better? I'm going to turn this camera a little Who bit. Who are you asking me? I'm, I'm asking your oh. audience. Right hey, in. We're back with Alex. If you can hear us. Hopefully you can hear us. I think we're live. We're live. Hey, guess what? Look at that. What? We're on a live show right now. We're on a live show right now, and I'm drinking tea. And I'm told, see, Alex made the tea today. That's I normally I end up making really the tea. weak. No, not normally. That's that's, not, that's, that's not completely unfair. There's like unfair. a couple weeks where I've made the tea. Uh-huh. This is like when I say to my wife, "I normally make dinner." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then those couple weeks, you complained. I got the wrong tea bag once. I would didn't have something else. There was another week. You were using this whipping week, cream for milk? This week, <laughs> you made the tea and you're complaining about the it's, tea. It's terribly, it's these, sm- I, I brought Aaron a box of tea uh-huh. back from the homeland um, and I keep forgetting to bring it in. But there are 240 tea bags with his name on. There's like a massive um, shadow on my face. So mm. since we would like most people to consume this particular show, the Guys Drinking Tea podcast show as a podcast, I realized I talk a lot about the visual presentation of you do. this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody cares. And nobody cares. Yeah. It's like like yeah. right now, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a shadow on my face and you don't care. Yeah. I, I do you know why, why am I talking I have actually about occasionally, not here I don't think, but occasionally unashamedly said that in services. I've said I want to talk about this thing. I know you guys don't care, but I'm interested in it. It's like that. I want to nerd out on a particular area of theology or and something. They gave me and the like, microphone, so deal yeah, with it. Yeah, right? and so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. So I'm gonna bump this up again. That's a little bit on the yeah weird. Yeah, th- this is tea that that some sweet old lady in England would make that isn't strong enough that has. Oh. So yeah, what I've decided is that the success of one's tea. There's a very small window mm. for you that's yeah, like yeah, quality yeah, tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that's what that's why if you ask my wife, she would say she was terrified to make me tea for years. She was like, I always make it wrong for you. And I'm like, Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I get it though. Exacting it's a, it's standards for tea. It's a thing. Nothing it's else, thing. just tea. And uh, Well, welcome back to the just this is just Alex and I. This is like yeah. where the show started, but you've been gone and I've been I, gone, you just carried on. I carried on and I failed one of the weeks. Poor Jessica, we had this great conversation and our system just broke and that ah. was super sad. Um, so we're gonna have to get her back on the show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, we had some great guests and good conversations with Jessica, Yvonne, Ethan, but it's good to have you back. Man. It's good to be back. It's good the originals. And uh, we get to talk about a new series. We get to talk about, well, I was just in England and I, so I, uh, 
yes, I've been adventuring away and uh, it was good to be back in the homeland. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry that tea's so weak. It's just... I don't want to tell you. If you're also listening to this podcast, we have the foo-fooiest. Is, <laughs> is that a word? It, it might be, but you can definitely get way foo-fooier than this tea... Uh, is there a, like an official term? You guys can make comments or whatever and tell us what would be the proper way of describing a very extent, um, detailed, I don't know, uh, old school tea kettle, teapot, and cup. I've got like a South Fellowship mug. And I've got a Grovesner uh, English bone china uh, yes. saucer and uh, cup. And I'm, I'm going to have to graduate oh man yeah see and what I, I mean it just yeah. okay too, too much well broken. well welcome yeah. let's talk about what we're actually going to talk yeah, about yeah. so this on sunday you preached on the subject of walking which, which, is, which was which was we started a series started a series so we wanted to do something a series we called everyday spirituality and it's really designed to maybe pull us a little bit out of the pattern i think we get into at times um I think there's this implication, especially if you're new to church, that we say something like, come to church and join a small group and sit in the morning and read your Bible and pray, and that's how you grow. Um, and yet there's all these different things that yeah. we might do to engage spiritual practices. Some of them are ancient, some of them are new. What was interesting to me with walking as a spiritual practice I feel like almost as followers of Jesus, we've almost surrendered any aspect of physicality. Oh, so true. To our spirituality. Which is crazy yeah. unfortunate. And we see that, you know, even with like, people have done things like holy yoga and there's, there's the reaction like, whoa, wait. Uh, now I, I understand some of that reaction. I grew up pretty fundamentalist, but, but I'm also, uh, also have this sense that your body and your physicality is definitely tied to your spirituality. The, the, the clear lines that we try and place between the two are not clear lines. Well, There's and, an and theologically, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, there, I think that Christianity is probably one of the most physical mm. faiths. Interesting. Unpack that. Why is it the most physical faith? The incarnation. Yeah. Jesus became body and blood mm. and flesh like it's he valued it enough to step into creation yes and participate to become like us like that alone is this thing that just shouts no this stuff's important mm -hmm. it's not like god's up there i cannot touch physical things with a 10-foot pole that's a heresy yes uh, that you know anyway so yeah yes yeah. so so the, the there is some idea of like if you can take care of your body, your physical health, then it's going to help your spiritual journey, perhaps, in ways that we haven't wanted to acknowledge at times. Yep. Um, uh, what you eat might affect the way that you feel and all those different things. Sometimes we say, I'm spiritually low, and that can be true, but sometimes we might also say, yeah, but you've been eating really badly, you haven't got any sunlight, you've gone through all of these different You're things, sleeping you're not well. sleeping well, and, and those things aren't, completely unrelated to each other. Yeah, and if you found a way to 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 just have a vibrant, healthy, righteous relationship or like uh, Christian life, 
while not sleeping, not eating well and stuff, then I don't know how you're doing it because yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you're not doing some of those things, that isn't, this isn't a, you should feel guilty about that. Yes, it is. In the same way that, that if you, um, you know, if you're struggling with your prayer life, that you shouldn't feel guilty about that. If you're struggling with uh, church, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. Guilt is not where we want to go in this faith. Sleep helps and your faith. Guilt doesn't. Yes, absolutely. But the, but you're right. The, those different <laughs> things. When I am tired, and I would say jumping back into work life quickly after a long pilgrimage is maybe the word back. Um, I had this moment this morning where I was like, oh. I'm up, but I am not up. Yeah. Um, I'm walking around my house, but I am fast asleep. Yeah. Uh, and so th yeah. Th those things do definitely affect us. They affect how we present ourselves, how we bring ourselves. So uh, so we're we're going to spend some time talking specifically about walking, but um, and then we're we're going to talk about what is it about walking specifically that help that's helpful, maybe a little bit of your story and your relationship with walking mm. and how it helps your relationship with God. Um, maybe offer some recommendations for if you can't walk or mm. whatever. So we're going to cover some of these things, but I do like we've already started going here. I think we should linger here for a little bit longer, just talking about more a little bit more about this physicality mm -hmm. of our faith, um, because walking is beneficial because of that physicality in one sense um, and a couple other reasons. So, oh, oh. you know what? My you wife is very probably pregnant. probably take this. So I'm going to take a this FaceTime This could be call. on air. Oh, this is my daughter. This is not my pregnant wife. Oh. Hey, Piper, I'm live streaming right now. Can I talk to you later? <laughs> Unless mom's having a baby. All right, if mom's not having a baby, can I finish my live stream and then call you back? Hi, <laughs> right, I love you. <laughs> Say hi to Piper, everyone. Piper's famous. You're, you're famous on YouTube, Piper. All right, bye. I love it. All right, so now all you guys know she's not having a baby yet. Yeah, so pause on that. What were we talking uh, about? We were talking about the physicality <laughs> of walking. Had, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 the physicality of walking. Uh, so yeah, on one hand, just getting out, walking, moving has a, a benefit uh, that moves into what we might call our spiritual world. Um, I, I think w walking is, is, to me, this intriguing thing. Just on the surface in today's world, if you can get out of the house and leave your phone at home, there is a benefit to that separation. We live in a world that, that's foreign to the, the original writers of the text. So when they talk about uh, relationship with God, when they talk about what it is to do spiritual disciplines, the world that we experience today of constant information, constant distraction is just foreign to them. Yeah. Um, and, and there's something about walking that requires, that, that allows us to, to move away from those things, to, to enter into something, to put down the tablet, to put down the phone, um, to turn off the screen that actually is, is just in itself probably really necessary. Um, Absolutely. And even if the device is there, uh, I, occasionally you'll see someone walking, actively walking with a device in front of their face. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just way harder, way to, harder that to engage a device walking other than maybe listening to something. Yeah. And if you, but, if, yeah, if you, I don't know what this means on a metaphorical level, but if you see someone walking as a pair 
and someone tries to take out a phone and send a message, it usually distracts them to the point that they, they want have to stop. stop. Yeah, it certainly slows them down a lot. So um, walking, yeah. Now there's also like, there's also something about this um, this interchange between left brain and right brain. Mm. So the thoughts that you have while walking, the prayers that you have while walking actually fire both your, because the physicality of it, there's actually neurological benefit to anchoring ideas and prayers with a physical motion um, that helps it sink a little bit deeper. Now that's incredible because I think there's been this idea within the church and I'm going to say the church of the last 50 to 100 years of it doesn't matter what you do with your body when you pray. Uh, now this was this was one of the fascinating things that CS Lewis pulls out in his screw tape letters. Uh, he talks about mm. this this conviction we can have. Oh, it doesn't matter if what we do when we pray and yet like his his response to that was no no no, you're a physical being. You're a soul that operates within a physicality and what you do with that physicality will always affect how you pray and how you engage. Totally. Um, and, and so we've probably moved away from a, a way of praying that would involve specifically kneeling, specifically acting out some certain things. And if you look at lots of other faiths, they still incorporate those things. Jewish people praying in a specific way uh, might be an example. Yeah. That suggests to me that, yeah, the physical thing just on a science level is still still a thing that matters. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is, um, and it's not just physicality. I, I, I do think that there's been this drift for a lot of Christians, myself included, prior to the last several years, where I was like, I have my spiritual life mm -hmm. and then everything else. Yeah. That's just a misnomer. It's yeah, just not. Yeah. It's just not reality. Yeah, and we wouldn't apply that same principle to anything else in our life. Like, oh my, um, my athletic performance has nothing to do with my sleep or my mm. eating. No, of course they. It's a, there's or how about this? Like I was just talking. I was just playing in disc golf last night with um, some buddies here from the church. This church meetup group, and I I was talking with one of them about, about how my putting on the in the disc golf um, game is a really good plumb line of how my soul is doing. Whoa. Because I if I'm concerned about the other people watching me during a putt, and when I'm playing the, a game in a group or like in a league or something like that, if I think am thinking about I want to be the good at disc golf guy. My mm -hmm. identity's wrapped up in this putt. I shoot so much worse. Huh? If I, uh, or if I'm stressed out, or if I'm, it just makes that putting game so much harder. So my my emotional, psychological well being affects my disc golf game. Mm. And we we know that like sports talk about like yips in the base in baseball where they can't yeah. throw. Or yeah, other things where, like, there's a there's a whole psych psychology now in professional sports, all around making sure that your head's in the game. You, we've all heard this stuff. Well, we this makes super easy sense to a lot of other areas of life. But oh no, my spirituality. Yeah, that's one thing, and then there's everything else. It's well, just, a famous British golfer used to talk about his his uh, he would call it the cocoon. 
he would go into this place where nothing on the outside affected him. That was his like control of every, but it required everything uh, in him to enter into that thing. Um, so, so that, yeah, that, that, that in itself is just fascinating. There is a connection between the two. Um, and somewhere it seems like our way of living today has maybe enabled that sense of separation. So today we leave the house and go to work. For uh, many generations, work was connected to the house, was connected to family. Everyone might be involved on certain levels in what somebody did. You you operated a business, you operated it from your house. The, the idea yeah. of I get up, I commute to work is actually a fairly new idea in the history of the world. Yeah. Um, and so we've we've been allowed to separate a bunch of those things. I want to separate my work life from my home life. Uh, I, I want to sell it, sell it, separate, 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 separate. And, and the reality is we seem to be saying, well, no, you only have one life and all of those things intertwine, whatever you do. And actually yeah. maybe separation isn't a healthy thing. And so, so like a better, maybe a more full perspective of what it means to walk with Jesus, to try and live in the way of Jesus, the heart of Jesus is to recognize it's an invitation to a holistic life that is in alignment with um, the way of Jesus. Body, soul, mind, spirit, all of it is being affected by that mm -hmm. process. So now for you, I'd love to dig into this. You mentioned it in the sermon a little bit more, but tell, like, you discovered along the way, and you told a little bit of the story, but maybe you can expound upon it. You discovered that there was a powerful connection between your, your soul and walking. Mm. Could you maybe retell some of that story yeah. or maybe uh, some other, you know, so, elements of that? So I have this like vague theory, no kids like walking. Like at least walking that you have to think about. So anytime you tell like a kid, we're gonna walk somewhere, what is it? It's a function, right? It gets you from where you are now to where you want to be for some other better purpose. So if you say to a kid, we're walking to the park, why are we walking to the park? To go to the park, to be at the park. It's just, it's a gap between what is now and what will be, and we just have to get through it. I'm gonna run as quick as possible to get to the park. I remember my parents taking me to all of these beautiful places, and, and I remember walking around, and it really was just a function of getting to somewhere. So I, I think most kids don't appreciate the joy of simply the walk itself. And that in mm. itself is some kind of spiritual metaphor because we regularly make the end point the purpose. Um, and we're not particularly good at recognizing what well, the journey is the purpose. It's, it's all about the end and, and then actually recognizing, no, there is something about that. Yeah. So, so for me, becoming an adult and starting to appreciate, okay, now this in itself is a wonderful thing. There's something about this that I want to take in, appreciate, and, and do all of those different things. And then hitting a point in my spiritual life, maybe because of some of the left brain, right brain things that you're talking about, that that I would say things to God, I would speak out prayer, I would have that engagement, but there was something that just didn't seem like it was processing or functioning. Did I believe on some level that yes, those prayers were heard and that there was some kind of answer, but but it didn't feel like that time was changing me. Hmm. So I would bring all of these things to God and, and want to go away with more of a sense of, I have spoken that out and now my 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 faith posture has changed. It's moved. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's been passed over i've taken this thing i've handed it to my father that i trust that i love i've i've asked for forgiveness for this thing and i've moved to the other side of that i've recognized my forgivenness i um am trying to contemplate this big question and i feel like i've now got to a place of having an answer for it it just felt stagnant like it wasn't happening i was deeply frustrated with that yeah um so like was there a moment where you like accidentally stumbled across like oh if i move my body in the form of walking suddenly i just yeah. it my prayer life comes alive in a new way and, and i think what it was was uh, a recognition in a moment where i was staying in a house with with my family um some of my wife's family uh, and i just had this sense of i need to be where other people aren't I need to just get it uh, away. It was a busy season. I think perhaps, I can't remember if it was Christmas, Easter, something like that. And mm. just having this sense of, I just need to be by myself in a place I can't be reached. Um, wow. I, I need to separate just just for a, mo for a bit. Um, and, and, and community is difficult, right? So, so whether that's uh, family, whether it's people you live with, whether it's a church, we all need that time to, to separate a little bit. So I just left. I, ju I just said, I'm going for a walk uh, Just and, and I went by myself. Usually my, my kids and I have this relationship that if I say I'm going for a walk, they're like, we want to come with you. Uh, yesterday morning, I went for a swim early in the morning and, and they, they said like, can we come swimming? Like, no, no kids are allowed at uh, five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning. And they were like, well, we don't want you to go if we can't go. Um, so, so I'm sure they said we're, we're going to come with you. But I, I had that definite sense of, uh, not that I, not at this point that I needed to say something or pray something. I did need to be away. I did need to remove myself. And that so you actually started with that. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Then yeah. The next was like. Yeah, and all, all those pieces of language that that if you're familiar with the New Testament at all, with the Gospels, all those fillers of Jesus got up early in the morning and separated himself from people. Jesus went away from the crowds. Jesus sent the disciples off on a boat to row in a storm while he, he walked along the water. Like that separation, very evident all over Jesus' life. So I don't think I knew what I was doing particularly. I'd done silence before. I'd done separation before. I'd done, of course, solitary prayer before. But but that this didn't start with prayer. This just started with you need to get away. You yeah. need a break. You need some space. And as I was walking, that was this moment where where just a thing that's happened to me a few times in my, my life, actually, just this sense of Jesus coming alongside me. Um, now, now, I'm sure he always is on some level. I think one of the beautiful things that walking yeah. enables us to do is to tap into to prayer hmm. uh, in a more in a truer sense. So I think, think about some of the language we use in church. We say things like God is in heaven and all is right in the world. What, what does that tell us instinctively when we pray? God is up there. Your prayers have to get through a lot of space and eventually he might hear them way up there, but then he has to get through a lot of space to interact in any way down there. Or we say yeah. something like, you've got to invite Jesus into your heart. And yeah. so then suddenly God is very small and somewhere in there, and your prayers are kind of directed in there. And in there almost feels just as distant. Yeah, like I absolutely. Yeah. I almost feel distant for myself. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. yeah. What, what, what is that? A yeah. better posture is probably Jesus sat alongside you or mm. walking alongside you in conversation. 
So, so I think I automatically just accidentally put myself into a better place for conversation. Uh, and, and there was this moment of walking and being in conversation, but being in conversation with someone who was just a few steps behind. Like I was almost turning over my shoulder and I was directing, I was leading. Um, and, and to me, it became this metaphor of just in a time of life where I was having to make some decisions, having to process some things. Starting to question, I believe I am in relationship with Jesus. Is this how it's supposed to work? Who leads in this thing? Who directs? Who drives? Mm -hmm. And who do I want to drive? Uh, who do I want to direct? Who do I want to lead? Yeah. Uh, and, and so it was this this almost invite of Jesus, I, I'd like to walk alongside you with you as my guide in this season and always. Um, and so it just became something that, I, that became a practice. Um, Gosh, I, I mean, I have very similar experience. So, um, yeah, there's the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very similar experience with and relationship with walking too. And I just discovered it, you know, maybe four years ago. It was just like a season of an intense leadership stress and all these other things. And I was sort of in this moment of crisis and I didn't know what to do. I almost left the building because mm. I was like, I just can't be here. Mm. Yeah, similar sort of thing. Yeah. And then I just hit the Highline Canal out here and I'm just like walking and it was like suddenly this conversation started to develop. Yeah, super fascinating. Um, so actually, maybe that's just a, a, a point for some of you who are listening. If you struggle praying, have you ever tried praying walking? Mm. It Maybe you're just not built for the sitting still praying all the time. And maybe there's something about this physicality that will awaken a new perspective on prayer. Um, I was just, you know, a while back we were talking to Peter Pearson, Pearson, who's one of our prayer warriors here. He's one of the elders and he's just a, he actually leads a prayer ministry for a, a mission agency. And he walks in his basement. Mm -hmm. He almost never prays super still. He's like constantly walking in his basement. And when I, we went over there for dinner and he showed me his little route, it's a little tiny basement. And he has to like weave through some stuff to, in, through There's these like hallways. There's like a path like just pressed into the ground. Exactly. With, you know. He's like worn a little bit of a path into this ground because he has to walk in order to to stay, to keep his soul and his mind on target with his relationship. But this is, this is an interesting thing about prayer and its individualness and how it, it's okay to say I need my way of praying to work for me. There's a there's yeah. a really fun story about a, I think it was a guy called George Jeffries. I might be wrong, but he was, he was a, a famous preacher in England, like one of these charismatic revivalist preachers, but someone who just took prayer very seriously. And there's this story about two pastors coming and saying, we'd like to pray with you. And he looked at them and said, you can't handle it. And they were like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, we can do it, but but you can't handle it. And, and, and apparently the story with this guy is that he used to pray sat, not walking, but sat at his, at his desk with his forehead on the desk. And the story was on this giant oak desk, there was a groove where his forehead had literally worn a hole into the desk because of the hours he'd spent there just praying, praying, praying. And the story with these two guys is that, that after a, a half an hour of praying with him, they kind of crawled out of the room just because the presence of God was so significant in that place. They said, we, we can't deal with this. Um, wow. So, kind of like, so, woe is me, I'm undone. Yeah, that, that and, and I love to hear from Peter, like this, like he's got this pathway that is, is grooved. And so I picture that with the trail that I walk, which is generally the same trail of just almost like, 
I now start to have places on the trail, which is just outside my house. I just walk in the green space. Yeah. Uh, where I remember God speaking things to me in specific places. Interesting. And, and and what's funny to me is is there's been a couple of times where there'll be a moment where I'm 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 unconsciously trying starting to approach this place, and God will speak to me about the same thing, and I'll suddenly notice where I am, and I'll be like, oh wait you were talking to me about this yesterday in this place. Is wow. that like a confirmation? Is that all of these different things? But but just attaching some of that physicality to it, that that well-worn path, that well-worn journey. And and maybe, so maybe this thing. whole subject is a little bit of an invitation that your spirituality, like your body, your soul, all these different elements, like use everything that God has given you to to shepherd your soul in a specific direction, like walking, the, even like the, having these specific places for mm -hmm. you, you've discovered this works. Like spiritual formation is, maybe this is a shock to you, but it's to the listeners, it's not as formulaic as we would like. It's not like I go through class 101, then class 102, yeah. class 103. Some of it is a little bit of, that's why it's called practicing. You try it out. You practice mm -hmm. this. You practice that. And then you discover, hey, my soul really, really f comes awake with this practice. Mm -hmm. So use it. Like, and and yeah. I, think, I think that's one of those things. Like One of the things we don't always give people enough freedom for in church is to say that there is the core practice, which are ancient and locked into almost how the Bible describes the interactions we've got. There's fasting. There's... There is prayer, there is reading and meditating on scripture, all those different things. Mm -hmm. But it feels like within those things, there's infinite freedom to figure out who you are and how you interact well with them. So anyone who's spent any time around me knows a few things. I have fairly endless energy. I don't do well sitting still. Yeah. I have a certain, whether it's ADD or a certain like, you know, Gotta let, keep let's, moving, yeah. let's keep this thing going. So. So when I first moved over here from a Pentecostal church that <laughs> prayed like me to a Presbyterian church and started praying with people that just sat around a table taking it in turns to pray, I had moments of like, you guys are going to drive me nuts. Like, I can't do, I can't sit. Or almost like, this isn't even prayer. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you doing? This isn't like, what? who are you engaging with? You're just listening to each other. So, so to me, yeah. that was difficult. And even now that some of the elders will joke about whenever we pray, I'm always walking around. I can't sit at the table and just say stuff. I have to have to have some movement. So, yeah. so there's ways I have to say, how does my general way of praying fit into who God has made me to be? I need to move. I, I struggle with focus. I'm very extroverted. Walking helps me deal with some of my stuff and enables me to be engaged with God. And then there's other times, rarer, where I say, God, I am choosing to put aside preferences to pray in a specific way with other people or, yeah. or because you're asking me to stretch myself. And so, so there'll be times where I've been in my office just laying on the floor, just weeping or, or, or just silently, and there's something different going on there. Yeah. But my general pattern of prayer is how does this work for me? And and walking is just one of those things that has unlocked the spiritual discipline of prayer for me. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we did in practice, in service, uh, sort of a breath prayer. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, I guess the point is like some of this is figuring out, all right, Jesus, I want to encounter you. 
and I want to keep exploring different ways of encountering you. Maybe it's nature that awakens it. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's study that awakens. That's one for me. Like when I study the scriptures or I study yeah. ideas and I discover a new nugget, it's almost like I, when you're describing your walking experience with God, like right, or Jesus right behind you, I have the same thing when I'm like at a desk studying. I th I think of him as like reading over my shoulder. I love that. And then every once in a while, he kind of reaches his arm over my shoulder, like, "Hey, check this out." That moment is like this. I get goosebumps every once in a while when I'm studying, and I'm like, "You, you wow. came up with that too?" I love oh that. Oh my gosh! You, you and Ethan, our youth pastor, are pretty similar in that respect. You both talk about that, and I've never experienced that. That is so far. Like when I study. Being somewhat intellect, like in a, not to say you guys aren't intellectual, but but that being how I grew up, that feels like very much me, um, and and it almost feels like in those moments I'm not relying on God. And again, all sorts of baggage there, all sorts of misunderstandings. But but I love that you've experienced that, and it makes me want to experience it too. Yeah, like it started in in Bible college, where it's just like I was just reading, and I sort of pictured him reading over my shoulder and saying, "Hey, go read that sentence again." Hmm. There was good stuff there, you know, yeah. or whatever. And Whereas I, I always, when I'm reading, I picture him saying, hey, pay attention to me. I'm over here. Yeah, yeah. Stop reading that stupid old book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, there's this quote I wanted to read from a, a book by Dallas Willard called Hearing God. And it sounded very similar to some of what the way you've used walking in your prayer life. Um, it's super practical. I love this. Uh, personally, I find it works best if after I ask God to, to speak to me in this way, I devote the next hour or so to some kind wow. of activity that neither engrosses my attention with other things, nor allows me to intensely focus on the matter at question. Mm -hmm. Housework, gardening, driving about on errands or paying bills will genuinely do. I have learned not to worry about whether or not this is going to work. I know that it does not have to work, but I'm sure that it will work if God is something really he wants me to know. Mm. This is ultimately, so he, So the point is he goes on to explain in a little bit more detail. He like asks God a question, and in your case, you, you might ask a question and then you walk for a while. Yeah. And then he's learned that, he goes on later on, he says, generally speaking, after a, about an hour of doing some sort of activity that doesn't demand too much of my brain, he answers me. Mm. And if not, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Then he, he's chosen to say, wait. Um, but that's some of what this walking mm. is. It's like asking a question or say, God, is there something you want me to know? And then you walk for a while and you listen. And then um, it's super interesting. And I, and, I, and I think this is a big challenge for us. Um, maybe it's a Western thing. Maybe it's an American thing. Maybe sometimes it's a male thing. Um, I could pull loads of like the Venn diagram of, of this would be interesting in my head. Um, I think sometimes we ask God something, whether it's for something or a question about something. And if we're honest, it's easier to spend our time fixing it or solving it than it is listening for an answer. Yeah. So so I, I might have a Guilty. moment and, and I notice again, speaking a lot in front of people, talking a lot about Jesus, uh, about this message of his, about living in his way with his heart. I noticed that that works best when a couple of things happen. One is usually space to prep, but a big one is when I have a conversation with Jesus that looks like, what do you have for our people today? 
what or this yeah. week like what what is it that you would love to share and when i pray that the biggest temptation i face is to just say okay now i'm i'm going to work really hard to get something down on paper the hardest thing to do is to say hmm, i've got a limited time but i'm going to leave this space to say god you might have something to say about that um that 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 is difficult for me because my my fix it brain says i'm going to get some stuff down i'm going to create i'm going to do i'm going to work and learning to say no to that is very difficult yeah uh jamie winship who was here and spoke a, a little while back he one of the one of the questions he challenges you to pray when you're trying to hear god's voice is these two questions, which is a little bit different than I've been trying it out a little bit. It's yeah. interesting. He says, ask God, what do you want me to know? Mm -hmm. And what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. We tend, I tend to say, God, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Or God, um, can you please do this? Like basically I've already decided what you should do. I want you to do yeah, it this I way. Um, and he suggests this more open-ended, which is actually, very similar to the way that you posed it. What do you, you know, you posted in the context of prepping a sermon. Mm -hmm. What do you want yeah. for this community this week? It, it's saying, I don't like, it's open-ended. Yeah. Um, that's a super different kind of a prayer than, uh, God, what it, does this particular passage that I've already decided to preach on say? Mm -hmm. um, that's like very, it's almost more already comes with an agenda. It, de it definitely does. And, oh. and, and and I think interestingly, what we might find a lot is that we think we know what God needs to speak to us about, perhaps what he needs to do. I would just be interested as to how many of our questions would dissolve if in our prayer time, we were able to hear God say, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Uh, I just finished reading uh, Henry Nouwen. It's not Henry Nouwen's book. It's a book about Henry Nouwen, this um, famous Catholic priest who left Harvard as an academic, went to a community called Arsh, and um, went there to, to work with disabled people. Uh, and a lot of identity questions for him. And, and one of the lesser known things about him is at some point he, he almost ran away with the circus. He fell in love with this trapeze group that he'd watched, and he just spent a lot of time with them, traveled with them, spoke with them. And, and all that time, 61 years old, professor at Harvard, well-known writer, very successful, still in his honest moments, wrestling with longing to hear God say what he says about Jesus, his son, uh, during his baptism. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Um, I actually think so many of the questions we have so many of the things that we feel like we need, they kind of disappear if we can just put ourselves in a place of hearing that. So totally. that, that for me has been a repeated practice when I have a bunch of stuff on my mind. Um, I want to know, God, what's happening with South? What's happening with my family? What's happening with my marriage? What's happening with all of these different things? I want info. I want action. I want answers is to say, Jesus, I, I really need in this space for you to speak to me about me. Um, what do you think about me? Yeah, re remind me that 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 I am your beloved child, in whom you are well pleased. And and as part of that, I've just been listening to this song, um, "I Am Your Beloved," um, by a, I think a group associated with Bethel, 
Mm. And one of the lines in it is that the one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. And that's a wow. fascinating thing, right? The, the, just linger on that lyric yeah. for just a moment. Because I think most of our assumption is if someone knows me fully, there's no way they uh-huh. can love me. Yeah, I generally feel that the better people get to know me, the more unlovable I am. Totally. And and because and I know me better than anyone else on earth, I'm like I, mean, I know the mess. That I mean, what that line is the gospel. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. the fact that he made a way to fully know and yet fully love. Mm. Gosh, that is like the the that's like the goodness for the soul that everyone yeah, yeah, needs. Yeah, so uh, good. And, and so I think there's there's a there's definitely a beauty to when you walk and pray or however you find a way to make prayer work for you, and it has to work for you. God made you you. Um, and interacts with you as you. Uh, however you do that, there's definitely space to say, there's a bunch of stuff on, uh, stuff on my mind. A lot of it would disappear if I could get that identity thing down. Wow. Um, hmm. So, yeah, any final thoughts? So walking, any recommendations for people out there who are like, I don't want to experiment with this? I, I would say find a place that you love. Um, find a place that perhaps means something to you. Uh, we're going to talk this week a little bit about pilgrimage, about thin spaces. And I'm sure we'll have a fascinating conversation if you're around next week, which seems unlikely. But but I, 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 I still have questions about whether thin spaces even exist. And if you're unfamiliar with those, it's oh, this yeah. idea that there's places where God is closer. And one of the, like, the counterintuitive, counterpoints to that I've been asking myself is, do I believe there's places that evil exists? Um, like, is Auschwitz where all this evil has happened, does it have some kind of aura spiritual of evil? Is there a spiritual darkness there? And is that how the world works? Yeah, there's um, just like, God's omnipresent, so that shouldn't be, that's, yes. it's a challenging Yeah, act. yeah, yeah. What, You're going to solve all that next week? I love it. We're going to skip over lots of things. <laughs> um, but, but what I do believe is that that we can create our own thin spaces. Um, there's places I still have back home in England, here now, where I can go and I'm like, God, you have met with me here before, me, me, with me here before. And it's suddenly so much easier to believe he'll do it again. You know what? There's, uh, we'll talk about this later in the series too. Songs are that way. Yeah, Definitely. I call they're Ebenezers. Yeah, like in yeah, the, in the scriptures, this idea of an Ebenezer is like this this pile of rocks that they would set up as a memorial to one remind them of a significant moment mm-hmm. that God moved in this in the community of it, and it would remind them to tell others about that thing. And certain songs, mm-hmm. when as soon as you hear the first few phrases, uh, maybe it's an old hymn or a song that like God met you during hearing that song. As soon as you hear that, you're like instantly ushered to the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Is that song more spiritual? Because for someone else, they may hate the song. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the same things could be... The, the song, the songs that we've sung on Sunday where I'll say to you, like, I hate that song personally, but we should definitely sing it because I know yeah. for so many people, it's it's, it's a, it's a profound space. experience. Interesting. Um, and, and so what we'll wrestle with a little bit, again, some, somewhat Are of a spoiler alert. Are we talking about next week? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit of a spoiler alert. Um, is this idea of, of pilgrimage as the church has known it through a chunk of its history and, and comparing that to walking, I would say, as we're encouraging you to walk, we're talking about walking as a contemplation. 
whereas pilgrimages are suffering. And most writers around experiencing God have suggested that you either experience God through contemplation or through suffering. Um, that there is something about walking that provides space to contemplate, provides space to interact with God. And so a little practical thing is if you want to try walking and you think it's something you might do regularly, finding a place that's reachable, that's accessible, that you can go to often, that you can almost do that George Jeffries thing of wearing a hole in the desk or the Peter Person thing of building a track around your basement that enables you to say, yeah, I've been here before. And you've spoken to me here before, you've met with me here before, I have this muscle memory here. And that when I arrive here and begin walking, there's almost a way that I'm like, no, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to engage with you and I, and, and, and I know it's gonna happen. Yeah, um, I love that. And that in and of itself, there's that's like great spiritual advice. It's also just leveraging how your brain works, mm -hmm. your body yeah, works, yeah. like this, these habit forming things that just undergird and support your spiritual so journey. So I, I, I walk awesome. a lot, as I say, in the green space in Highlands Ranch. There are places I would rather walk in some ways. Like I love up by Lair of the Bear. I love some of the places like even just Genesee somewhere fairly closeable, clo close and accessible. But I, but I realized those are 20 minute drives, 25 minute drives. What is actually best for me is a place I can reach in about 30 seconds uh, or yeah. a minute. And, and and so I suddenly look at my my watch. And I'm like, okay, I got an hour. Um, I can start walking, and I can be back in an hour. And that that's super beneficial. So while it, while beauty is wonderful, while the the sense of what it looks like is great, the accessibility is a big deal. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, actually, uh, Bill Wiseman was telling me like he grieves when summer comes because he likes walking in the dead of winter especially when there's snow on the ground mm. because it's so much more quiet yes anyway it's just like all these little things it's fun to explore all this stuff well any other final thoughts for people i think that was it i think that get out and walk and find a way to make prayer work for who god made you because he longs to have conversations with you i love it well, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Thanks a lot, everyone. Do the like, subscribe thing. We would love to, um, if you if you haven't listened to us on the podcast platforms, that's probably a better place than the YouTube <laughs> necessarily. Um, and rate the podcast. Yes. Only if you're going to we, rate it well. Um, <laughs> well, it might be healthy feedback for us. If you'd like to tell us that we but, ramble but too email much about that. tea. Don't, <laughs> don't click the rating number. <laughs> but we don't have hardly any ratings on the podcast platforms yet um so it would be beneficial if you subscribed over there and uh rated us so that it gets out there because it's probably a better environment for this content anyway mm -hmm. but we started on youtube so people so we love you we've yeah. got we've got a soft spot for youtube yeah you you youtube people are so awesome yeah absolutely all right see y'all later see you bye well thanks again for listening and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.